Hello and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host Tom Masters and our guest today is Michael Hodge. He's a mind-body coach who endured five years of pelvic pain with urinary and sexual complications. His experience started him on a journey to discover the root causes of these issues and, in partnership with pelvic expert Dr. Brianne Grogan, he has helped over 1,000 men recover through a proven holistic treatment program. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. Um, I'd like to introduce Michael Podge, who I was introduced to a pretty good friend of mine, Tova Goldfein in Israel. She's a chiropractor. And she and I have talked back and forth a lot through Zoom. We've emailed a lot. She's introduced me to her friend in Australia. And we're all on the same page with our different versions of it. And so she introduced me to Michael. And Michael Hodge is a person who went through five years of severe pelvic pain, negative urinary issues, um, really deflating sexual dysfunction in his 20s. And returning back to strength, he went on a deep passage to discover the root cause of these perplexing mind-body issues. Since teaming up with teaming up with well-known public expert Dr. Brianna Golden Grogan, is, is Brianna is it Brianne? That's right, Michael? Dr. Brianne Grogan. Grogan. He's helped over a thousand men recover through a proven program that is beginning to capture the attention of scientists and physicians hungry for a proven treatment. So I met him a few weeks ago. We talked for quite a while, and he's a remarkable person. Wanted to just dig as deep as you can imagine into the situation, and he has a tremendous amount to offer. And we'll talk about this later. But he does have a, a website called TransformPelvicHealth.com. And Michael, welcome to the show. And you're you're very unique in what you have to offer. Men don't like to talk about sexual dysfunction. We totally ignore it. I have known a few people, males with pelvic pain, actually quite a few. And I obviously won't go into detail who they are, but I have one friend of mine who, since he's been a teenager, cannot urinate in a public back bathroom, just can't do it. And I have another friend of mine, just horrendous pelvic pain, sexual dysfunction. And I'm not the per I'm a spine surgeon. So I was not really able to help, even though is pretty clear that the same principles that apply to other parts of the body apply to your world. So, Mike, I'm just curious about your story and uh, how you came into this whole process. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Hanscom, for having me here. And I didn't, you know, think whenever I was five, six years old, someday when I get older, I'm going to be a pelvic health specialist. I'm going to be talking about penises and testicle pain and anal weird fillings and everything that I do now. But what happened was when I was 22, my testicle flipped and my scrotum, or that's what it felt like um, after having sex one time. And this was what you would call an initiating incident that can then seem to be what triggers a domino effect, even if there was clearly things leading up to that, that we don't usually see when we're structurally minded through allopathic medicine. But that happened. And like most of the guys that I work with, the same thing happened for me. I went to my physician. He was like, ah, it looks like everything's okay. You don't have a testicular torsion. Um, but if you're still concerned, you can go see a urologist. I did that. And the urologist said, looks like you have 
prostatitis most likely likely take this um, set of antibiotics and it should go away. There's nothing else structurally that I'm seeing right now. So it didn't go away. And I ended up seeing other urologists and trying to discover really what's happening. Why is there so much tension? Why is there so much pain in my perineum, et cetera? Um, and that went so, on. So I'm going to ask you a question. So this started pretty abruptly at age 22. That's right. Was it pretty constant after that point or only engaged in sexual activities or how bad of a problem was this? Mm-hmm. So earlier on, it wasn't as severe. I remember this happened, I believe it was November, um, yes, in that year. And it was here and there. I think it was exacerbated after ejaculation earlier on. And it was more of a dullness and not as extreme. It was, I remember, March of the next year. So it took five months or so. It went from, I don't know, pain level of three or four to more like eight or nine. And directly in the center of the perineum, it was more consistent and um, yes, definitely ejaculation, very painful, and many other things. But sitting yeah, down, the audience, exercise. The audience, can you define perineum? That's not that's yep. a word that people don't necessarily know. Perineum would be right in between the anus and the testicles, or right in between the base of the vulva and the testicles in the male or female. So in the very center, right there, this soft spot, and. Um, this is where a lot of people that have pelvic pain feel their pain. You can also feel it. chronic pelvic pain syndrome, CPPS is the umbrella term for a wide variety of symptomology. You can have testicular pain, urethra pain, urethra burning. You can have various nerve type pain. And this could be called pudendal neuralgia. It could be called pelvic floor dysfunction. You might even have hard flaccid. Hard flaccid is a common symptom. And um, all of this, though, as you okay, know, I'm sorry, what was that term? Hard flaccid is where the penis is in a hardened, almost um, almost as if you have an erection, almost like an erectile tissue state, but in the flaccid state. So it's not that you have a full erection, but there's a hardness. It's a very uncomfortable feeling. It does make it harder to get an erection to actually enjoy sex as well. It's one of the um, more challenging symptoms, let's say of chronic pelvic pain syndrome. But all of this is umbrellaed under mind-body syndrome. It's really all neurophysiologic or neuroplastic or tension myositis syndrome, if you want to call it that, unless you have a very clear structural cause, um, which is very rare for the men that I work with. It's a very low percentage that have any structural causes. So I want to make a comment about mind-body syndrome um, in general. So most of this audience knows that <clears throat> I felt medicine has been off the rails for a very, very long time. And we, we even have a term called medical unexplained symptoms, which means that you have chronic pain of some sort in, in any part of the body, but um, we know you're suffering, but we don't know the exact cause is unexplained. When you look at the physiology of the body of fight or flight versus safety, in fight or flight physiology, everything's off. Your brain's on fire, your nerve conduction's double, your internal organs don't work well, and the term should be medically explained symptoms. So this is not some type of psychological construct. When you look at the physiology of the body, every symptom is completely explained by the basis of your body's physiology. It should be MES, medically explained symptoms. And so in spine surgery, we're actually operating on normally aging spines, and we don't understand the fact that simple lack of sleep causes back pain. 
So when it comes to pelvic pain, it's just an area that's really critical. And you don't have to have a big traumatic event in life to set this thing off. I think we'll talk about this in a second. But the bottom line is if your pain, if your body doesn't feel safe for any reason, from finances or lack of opportunity or unpleasant thoughts or whatever it is that your body doesn't feel safe with, you're in fight or flight and all literally all hell breaks loose. And so we're talking about, so you don't have a big sexual trauma to have this happen, even though there is a big association between sexual trauma and these type of symptoms in women. I don't know about it for men. So let me just work backwards for a second, Michael. I know that you don't have to have some major event in life to cause this process to occur, but it does, the pain itself becomes this chronic stress would add on top of other life stresses is a big problem. So as far as the, I'll just ask you the question, do you see particular tendencies towards this or is it a general stress response that gets manifested there? I mean, what do you think causes this? Yeah, it's a really great question. And I ponder upon this a lot. And I'm also intrigued as to why mind, body, pain, and symptoms show up in certain parts of the body, which we could get to in a moment. But in my case, looking back now at that phase of my life, I didn't have an initiating event that was like, you know, a family member passed away, there was extreme grief that wasn't felt, and I repressed that emotion, or I had, you know, an incident, an accident, where I fell on my perineum, or my pelvic bone, or something else, some other part of my body, structurally. But at that time, I was in a relationship. Um, my wife at the time, there was a lot of stress in the relationship. It was difficult. I was not being my authentic self. There were tendencies to be a people pleaser, to fear confrontation, to fear speaking up fully. Um, there were also just the way I was operating inside of myself. I would put a lot of pressure on myself, a lot of critical components. And I was very much achievement oriented, future oriented, focused on tomorrow, the next thing, the next thing on my to-do list. I wasn't very good at relaxing, enjoying life, experiencing pleasure, and a lot of things that would create more balance for me. So I didn't have a lot of balance. I was very intellectual and mentally focused. I wasn't very emotionally aware. All these things do combine to a, some point your body telling you, hey, something has to change. What is going on here? Um, and that can show up as physical imbalances, dysfunction or pain. So were you on the Wednesday night lecture? I think I saw you there. I was, okay. yeah. So I just going to state this, and you can restate it in your own terms. This was one of the most mind-boggling concepts I've heard my entire life, is that for <clears throat> at least 20 years, I thought that the process we put people through would just go viral in a heartbeat. I mean, people heal, they go to pain-free, they thrive at a level that they can't imagine. But for some reason, people do not want to give up their pain. They just don't want to do it. And so the biggest obstacle to healing is simply the, the unwillingness to give up their pain. But what they pointed out in this research paper out of Arizona, which is remarkable, is that if, if the body has a choice of choosing emotional pain versus physical pain, it will choose physical pain almost every time. People do not tolerate emotional pain. So the reasons he gave was that somehow your emotional pain gets externalized so you can see it. You have some slight sense of control where you really have no control over emotional pain. You can sort of justify it to yourself and to other people. So somehow it justifies your suffering. And then what blew my mind 
that people cut themselves and they actually get pain relief. It's not a matter of distract themselves from their pain. They actually get pain relief when they actually cut themselves physically. So the brain is a choice of physical pain versus emotional pain. Essentially, they always choose the physical pain. To me, that was a life-changing lecture because I've been so frustrated for so long. Why wouldn't you want to heal? Well, the reality is they can't. They can't. Emotional pain is intolerable. I have said for a long time that mental pain is a much bigger problem than physical pain. And I think this really points that out in a big way with the pelvic pain story. No, it absolutely does. And you hit it right on the nail with what's going on for people who are experiencing mind-body syndrome manifestations. It's a lot. If you think about experiencing extreme heartbreak and the love of your life just broke up with you unexpectedly, and you got the choice, that feeling that you're in, this tremendous cloud that's pouring down on you versus someone punching you in the stomach and like, hey, can I take that pain? Because then it'll give me something else to focus on. And I won't have to feel this emotion for a while. Yes, people would definitely choose getting punched in the stomach. We all know this, right? If we think about the difficulty that we experience in deep emotional and emotionally intense moments. And so the process to let go of pelvic pain or chronic back pain or erectile dysfunction, premature ejaculation, there are a lot of different genitourinary dysfunction issues that I help people with that are all operated under the autonomic nervous system. This is happening at the subconscious level of mind where these repressed motions are in operation. So if we can dig deep and actually be courageous and loving enough to ourselves to look in the right area, which might be the closet that has skeletons in it, instead of just looking for another treatment, another fix, another mechanical approach. So if we start to unpack and fully fill and let that rain cloud pour down on us, it will stop raining and the sun will come out and a rainbow will appear. Well, I have to make one little really critical point, which took me many years to correct this, is that <clears throat> I went through psychoanalysis and stuff like that for 13 years. And somehow with the emotional pain, <clears throat> you feel like if you just talk about it enough that you can somehow solve it, it actually works backwards because you're actually reinforcing the pain. <clears throat> so the key is, is allowing yourself to feel. You don't have to analyze it or fix it or solve it. And so... That's the hardest part about this journey is you have to allow yourself to feel badly and then good goodness evolves. You don't have to force good pain. I mean, you have good feelings. It'll, it'll just happen. So we always, we're all in the business of trying to fix yourselves. Let's take your pelvic floor pain, it's hard to try to fix it or perform better or whatever. I'm guessing that works backwards pretty fast. No, that's exactly right. We need to First of all, if someone's in extreme pain and dysfunction, do something that can take you down from a level nine to five so that you can even do a meditation or journal or allow yourself to have the space environmentally to fill into those emotions or allow them to come up. But yes, if you're in an extreme place, look, if you go to a physical therapist, you can get some assistance. If you can do a stretching routine, you can do yoga, you can do a massage, you might need to take a pain medication. These things can be assistive as long as you know they're not your saviors. And you can allow that to bring you down to a place where then you start to create spaces environmentally. So people are like, how do I feel that emotion? How do I draw it up? There is no button we can press on our body to make it happen. That would be pretty cool, but that doesn't exist. Right. However, 
if we can every morning set aside some time for ourselves to meditate or do breath work or journaling or something other than immediately reaching for our phone and reacting to our lives like we did yesterday. If we can do that every morning, if we can set aside time to go out into the forest for an entire day without technology and just walk around in silence, sometimes, if we can create space for silence and space where we don't use our brain so much, the emotions automatically surface at some point. And when they surface, you get to choose to fill them or to push them away. There, this does come with a warning label, though. <clears throat> and I found this out the hard way personally with other people is that when you're in pelvic pain, you're frustrated, angry, you feel like a victim. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it actually protects you from anxiety. So as you actually create that space and start to relax and start letting go of the anger, you will feel more anxious. Trust me, 100% of the time, that's the hardest part about the project is you have to train your brain to feel vulnerable and anxious in order to heal. So you can do that. Anxiety is not going to go away because it's a, it's a survival emotion, but you learn to tolerate it, work with it, not to fight it. And it drop, drops down pretty dramatically. Talk about developing a working relationship with it. But probably the biggest obstacle, if you give up your pelvic pain, guess what? You are going to feel more anxious. And people hate that. So I'm just curious how you address that. So I like using somatic practices as a bridge. Because if you tell someone, hey, you're in this place right now, you're feeling extreme pelvic pain, life is really hard. Now just go sit down and meditate for 30 minutes in a quiet room. Yes, they're going to have anxiety. They're going to have challenges typically with doing that in a way that would feel successful, if you want to use that word. Instead, if you can tell someone, hey, this is a breath work, just press play and breathe along with it for 10 minutes. That's all you have to do. You don't have to think about anything. You don't have to even align your chakras. Just breathe. And that allows you to connect the mind and the body together. It creates right. brain-heart coherence. It activates the parasympathetic nervous system through simple breaths. So I usually provide breath work. That's the initial mind-body practices that clients do in our program because it's the easiest one. It's a lot easier than jumping into meditation even. We also do things that are based in yoga or physical therapy movements. You're connecting breaths to healthy, happy, relaxing, calming, tranquil, opening movements. So it's actually calming the mind and it's creating a more relaxed nervous system. It's a good bridge. So whether it be Qigong or Tai Chi, or you're doing yoga, or you're going for a walk, or you're doing breath work, I see it as a good bridge because then you're able to enter into witness consciousness more easily, where you're becoming more of the conscious awareness and meditative practices, and you're not fully engaged and absorbed and coalesced with the thinking brain so that you can even experience anxiety in the body without it scaring you so much. But we definitely need to take a stair-step approach to get there. Well, and if I hear you correctly, <clears throat> you're not a psychologist, and guess what? Neither am I. We've helped many, many people heal. <clears throat> and the bottom line is, this is not a psychological construct. If your pelvic floor hurts, it hurts. If your sexual function is dysfunctional, that's not psychological. So what we're teaching people to do is to feel safe, which, which is a dramatic change in your body's chemistry. 
So instead of being in fight or flight and consuming fuel, you're actually regenerating, storing fuel, and it's a profound shift in your body's chemistry. So again, if you try to fix it, solve it, I'm going to tough it out. I'm going to talk to an, an, an analyst till I can just understand this really well. Some of people think if we just understand it enough, it's going to fix it. But the bottom line is you want to feel safe. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Safety is the key. You just need to show your brain that everything is okay right now and continue to reinforce that and the body will respond. If you're trying to prove yourself for whatever reasons, that's actually the opposite. You're actually reinforcing threat physiology. So yeah, that happens a lot with sexual dysfunction. So sexual dysfunction, if someone feels an inadequacy or they feel the need to perform a certain way, or there's a fear in losing a relationship, if they're not at a certain level of performance, these things can definitely amalgamate and create a very challenging issue for your body to deal with. Um, when it comes to things like premature ejaculation, it really comes down to you having the energy of stress or the energy of relaxation connected to sexuality. And for people who have dealt with lifelong premature ejaculation, they've had the energy of stress due to familial, cultural, religious impressions, due to watching porn and masturbating quickly for many years, due to um, initial encounters with sexuality, relationship dynamics, personality tendencies. There are a lot of things that can create that situation. So Michael, I um, want to talk to you in some detail on the second podcast about, you know, some of the processes you actually take people through to solve some of your success stories. Um, and I'm so impressed with your obviously extremely comfortable talking about stuff that people don't want to talk about at all. <laughs> in a way, it's not that big a deal. Exactly. <laughs> so I love talking about it. Because, is, yeah. What's that? No, I say exactly. You know, if we can just realize, hey, people have sex, we fart, we we defecate, we urinate or whatever. Like we are human beings. It's okay to be who you are. Right. No, I'm very impressed with your approach and just demeanor and the whole thing is really refreshing. So can you just um, remind us about how to get a hold of you and some of your resources? For sure. We have transformpelvichealth.com. We have some different programs on there if you want to work with us more closely. And we have a YouTube channel, social media. You can find Transform Pelvic Health. We have a lot of free resources to help you guys out if if it's resonating with you. So it looks to me as if you have an initial reluctance to talk to a human being, like you right now about your sexual issues, you can simply go on YouTube and learn about it and get used to the language. But yeah, the reality is we are human beings. We all have our functions and dysfunctions. And so this is really helpful. So Michael, thank you very, very much. And I'm looking forward to talking to you in a few minutes on um, what you actually walk people through. So thank you. I'd like to thank our guest, Michael Hodge, for being on the show today and for sharing his experience of pelvic pain and discussing the link between pelvic pain and mind-body principles. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.